Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This is Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. With me, Neil Denny. This week, it's International Women's Day, and so here's New York Times best-selling writer Julia Pierpont on The Little Book of Feminist Saints. Julia Pierpont is the author of the New York Times bestseller Among the 10,000 Things, winner of the Prix Fitzgerald in France. She's a graduate of Barnard College and the MFA program at New York University. Her writing has appeared in The Guardian, New Yorker, New York Times Book Review and Guernica. And she's now the author, along with the illustrator Manjit Thap, of The Little Book of Feminist Saints. Julia, welcome to Little Atoms. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell me about where the idea for The Little Book of Feminist Saints comes from. Uh, You know, I started talking to my editor about it, my editor at Random House and uh, a woman, and we just thought it was a great time for it. It comes sort of based on the idea of these Catholic saint books, you know, and sort of a a riff on that, a secular version of those. My editor, Caitlin, had had a relationship with those in school when she was younger, and it just seemed like um, a great opportunity. And we started bouncing around names started making a list. There was a Google spreadsheet for a time and it just got bigger and bigger. We crowdsourced a list of names and we got to over 400 and then and then we had to whittle it down, which was pretty hard trying to get a good cross section of people. So you said that it's a, it was a good time for the book and obviously, you know, books take months, years to come to fruition once that first idea is out there. Obviously, it's being published to coincide with International Women's Day. But as you said, it's also coming out at what seems to be an auspicious time for a book of this sort, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, I guess, a happy, I'm reluctant to say happy accident and sort of unfortunate to feel as though this is something that we need now that this is especially relevant. I mean, this past year has made it seem especially relevant, but it was relevant five years ago too. You know, I mean, I think it was still a good time. It just now seems um, with everything in the news to be particularly well-timed. Just tell me something more about the Book of Saints idea that it's based on. Um, Yeah, you know, there are usually these beautiful books and that was sort of part of the inspiration was wanting to have a, a beautiful object. The book itself is small and... Um, the colors are beautiful. It's, you know, we want it to be a beautiful object to hold as well as to read, much like actual saint books. And, but, you know, not being of a particular religion, 
we wanted them to be women of all religions or no religions. And so it, it can appeal to anyone. And you mentioned this gathering of the names. So we're up to about 400 names at the moment. And I want to I want to talk about the process of whittling them down to 100. I mean, that sounds like an incredible task. How did you do it? Oh, it's horrible. Um, we started sort of uh, voting uh, to try to see who who we could, you know, the people with the most mentions sort of seem to get the most weight, you know, we've added extra weight to those and those have to be included. But you know, it's horrible to cut people out. I would love to have, for example, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the book, but we said, oh, well, we already have Sandra Day O'Connor. And maybe we need to find, you know, we need to give space for someone from another country or doing another profession. You know, you, you we have like a certain number of artists, we could have included so many more visual artists, but we have, I think, three off the top of my head. That, and that was sort of the cutoff, you know, um, we had to spread it around because there are a lot of fields and a lot of and it was important to get a good cross section, I think. Well, I was going to ask you if there was any that you were particularly unhappy that had to be left out. You mentioned one, but give us a couple more. Yeah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was one of them. Um, I would have happily had more um, modern day women as well. I think there could be a whole other hundred of those. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't want to say anybody off the top of my head that uh, we cut out. But um, the book could be the, there could be sequels to this book very easily. You know, it, there were there are plenty of people to work with. Who is the book aimed at? What who do you see as the book's audience? Well, I mean, I've already heard some, you know, the book is in slight circulation. It's not officially it's coming out this week, but um, it's been out a little bit. And I've heard from some people giving it to their daughters, you know, and I think that that's a great place to start. I think everyone, though, I mean, it's funny, a book about women is usually then targeted to be read by women. But probably a lot of men, if anything, this year has taught us anything, a lot of men could do to read a book like this as well. So um, it sounds far reaching to say everybody, but I, I think it could inspire women and motivate them, but also educate men because we haven't, you know, we have in history classes in school, you, you don't hear about women as often there. And there, there's not, there aren't as many books about them. So a lot of these women are women I hadn't heard of before I started working on the book. They're women that other people I knew had suggested to me. And I'm glad, I'm so grateful that they did. I couldn't have done it without sort of crowdsourcing. And they're women who did remarkable things. And even the women that I thought I, whose stories I thought I knew, um, have done much more than I realized. I know, for example, Harriet Tubman is someone that we learned about a lot in school when I was a kid, the Underground Railroad, but I didn't realize the extent to which she worked undercover as a spy and led battles herself. Um, and then later in her life was part of women's suffrage. I didn't know that at all. So there's a lot to learn. How was collaborating with Manjit? Tell me how that actually worked. Well, it went very wonderfully and I love doing it. I would love to illustrate all my books um, to have work with an illustrator. We didn't actually meet in person until the book was over because she's over in the UK. So we basically corresponded via email and I would send her something I'd written about X woman and she would get started. She would read it. And then that accompanied by looking at photographs of the women, she would have her process and send it back to me. And it felt like um, the drawings are often informed by whatever the time of life I chose to focus on for any given woman. And 
yeah, it, it, it was wonderful. I mean, the, the one surprise I think was that I thought it would take her a lot longer to draw the portraits than it would take me to write the short pieces when it turned out sort of to be the opposite, because I think she does a lot of work digitally and it just is, it's amazing. I watched her work a little bit when we were together and it's, it's amazing how quickly she can do it. And for me, I had to, you know, a lot, a lot of research before I could even start typing. And I was going to ask about that research. So once you've settled on the list of women that you're going to include, or indeed, did it work that way? I know you said you had to whittle them down from the 400, but then did you have then this list of 100 people who you then have to go and research or are those two processes happening concurrently? No, they, basically, they almost happened one after the other. I think we got down to about maybe 120. And then with the understanding that there would be some for whom, through no fault of the women, through my own style or taste or inspiration, I would have a difficult time finding the right angle or story or connecting with it. And so, you know, we had left ourselves some wiggle room for me to figure out which ones stood out to me the best. You know, it was a combination of finalizing a list and also seeing which stories lent themselves well to this form. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you about some specific people from the book. But before I do that, I've chosen some. Before I talk about those, I just wanted to ask if you have any particular favorites. Oh, boy. Well, some, you know, are people that I loved since I was young. Catherine Hepburn was someone whose movies I always watched as a kid. Um, Virginia Woolf is a novelist that I love, and I was excited to include her. Yayoi Kusama is someone whose art I've seen um, in person before, and she was someone who I, I loved learning about. I didn't know anything about her life, and it's very interesting. And yeah, I mean, so many. You have to, it's so hard to choose, honestly. Um, I learned a lot from all these women. It was really great to work on it. You're listening to Little Atoms. I'm Neil Denny. Today I'm talking to Julia Pierpont, and we're talking about her little book, A Feminist Saints, which she's co-authored with the illustrator Manjit Thap. Julia, I said we were going to talk about some people that I've picked from the book, and I've tried to choose a mixture of people that I hadn't heard of before I read the book, but also some people who I think perhaps uh, should be more well-known. The first person I want to talk about is the very first person you talk about, Artemisia Gentileschi. Who is she? Uh, So Artemisia was a, a really amazing painter, for anyone of her period, but especially remarkable because she was a woman and very few women were afforded that opportunity to paint at that level at that time. If they did, they didn't receive credit for it. They would have been working in the studio of, of a famous male painter. Um, but she had uh, credit would be due also to her father, who was a painter himself and who got her lessons and got her started on it. But she had this horrible story of having been raped. And the unique thing is that she actually took the, her rapist to court. And, um, you know, reading about it, she went through this excruciating trial of trying to prove that she'd been raped during, you know, physical examinations. And um, ultimately, he basically got a slap on the wrist. And she had to carry on with that. And the, the thing that she did, the sort of wonderful way that she found of exacting revenge is um, her best known work is Judith slaying Holofernes. And um, in it, you know, the, the widow Judith is slaying a man who has the face of her rapist. She gave the face to him. So that's how sort of how we now remember him best in history, this, this man. Yeah. So she's a great place to start the book. 
uh, and feels very relevant, especially in the year that we've had. Okay. The next one I wanted to talk about was Barbara Jordan. Oh yeah. I love Barbara Jordan. So Barbara Jordan was um, a congresswoman from Texas and just a, a real force. My favorite thing about her was, or one of the favorite things I learned about her was how she would show up to work with a white orchid and, and, and it was sort of like her signature. She was a very inspirational figure, uh, congresswoman from Texas, the first black woman to accomplish that. And um, just seemed like a really larger than life figure in Washington. Okay. The next one is Nellie Bly. Oh, Nellie Bly. Yeah. Nellie Bly was a journalist and she's famous for traveling around the world and being the first woman, I think, to do that on her own. But the story that I really attached to was something she did earlier in her career, where she got herself committed into um, basically, I guess you would call it an insane asylum by feigning the symptoms and just trying to get inside and see. And she really, it was, she basically wrote an expose. You can find it on the internet now and read the, her original work exposing how horribly treated these women were, basically arguing that the minute they were put into these places, they were never going to get out. And it was sort of a, almost a way for the community at the time to deal with um, poverty, to deal with any kind of uh, mental illness instead of adequately treating it. They suffered horrible abuse. And her piece had real effect and really made changes in the way that mental health was treated in this country. Next one I'd like to talk about is, can we talk about Ruby Bridges? Yeah. Ruby Bridges was a really fun one to do. I was familiar with the stories about desegregation in the South in schools, but I didn't know her particular story. Um, I think I'd see, even seen images of her because there are some very famous um, pieces inspired by her. Cause, and you understand why the minute you look it up, you see these pictures of this young black girl walking up to a school, in and out of a school, accompanied by guards, and just crowds of people protesting um, and threatening to pull their children out of schools just for the presence of this girl. And another thing that was fun in researching the book was finding how different women in the book had surprising connections to each other. And in fact, Ruby Bridges had one teacher in the school who became her sole teacher for a time because they actually failed to segregate initially her into classrooms with other students. So there was one teacher who became her teacher in the school, the one-to-one student-to-teacher ratio for them. And years and years later, she was reunited with this teacher on Oprah Winfrey's show. Oprah Winfrey is another woman that I spoke about in the book who's, you know, whose reach is enormous. And um, that was just an example of being surprised almost to find a, a friend that I'd made earlier on in the book turning up again and supporting another woman. It felt like that those were the signs that felt like there was this sisterhood working behind the scenes between the women in the book. I should just say, just as an aside, I was at the um, Norman Rockwell Museum only a couple of months ago and saw the, the amazing painting of Ruby Bridges, which is just, it's just an incredible thing to, to actually stand in front of. I want to talk about, next about Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson um, is somebody who's kind of a great New York figure as well. And, you know, um, if you go down to Greenwich Village and you see all these signs still from um, the Stonewall riots, and she was a big figure in all of that. And sort of from what I watched of her and read about her was really larger than life. 
And I guess today we would call her a, a trans woman, but at the time she went by a drag queen, basically, it was her thing. And she um, was just a, a local celebrity at the time. And the P, I, I remember people would ask her what the P in her name stood for, and she would answer, pay it no mind. Um, she was a funny presence and seemed like a very bright light. And um, but then fought very hard for equality and uh, the police riots that happened then were really frightening. And so there is there's a really dark side to her story. But, yeah, she's just uh, a really exciting person. OK, just one more. And as I mentioned, the book's being published just in time for International Women's Day, I started off this short selection of people with an artist who had painted a man being decapitated. I want to finish it off talking about someone who goes by the fantastic name of Wilma Mankiller. Uh, Wilma Mankiller, yeah. Um, I love Wilma Mankiller because she um, she really sort of revels in her name, letting people wonder, you know, she likes to joke that you know, well, I don't know why I'm called that. You know, but would you want to find out? One thing that really was striking to me about her story was that she came to leadership arguably somewhat late in life. It seemed to be something that occurred to her after she hadn't chosen it. Um, she was a, a wife and mother and she there was something that was pulling her. And there was this protest in 1969 at Alcatraz Island to take back the island in the names of Indians of all tribes. And and that she described herself as a moment that really changed her life. And she packed her bags, went back to where she had come from, Oklahoma, and she became the first female chief of the Cherokee Nation. And I think um, among many other things, what's so inspiring about her is she reminds you that you can change your life sort of midstream and help others. And um, if you don't like where you are, you can do something about it. I think that's a, a perfectly good point for us to finish on. So I've been talking to Julia Pierpont, who is the co-author with the illustrator Manjit Thap of The Little Book of Feminist Saints, which is out now from Virago in the UK. Julia, thanks so much for sharing it with me. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. This episode of Little Atoms was produced and presented by Neil Denny and was broadcast on Resonance 104.4 FM. You can find the Little Atoms podcast on iTunes and you can follow the show on Twitter at Little Atoms. If you'd like to donate a little money to support the show, you can do so at littleatoms.com. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.